Tim Russell is CEO at the Intercollegiate Tennis Association, the governing body of collegiate tennis in the United States, whose mission is to advance the sport and return the leaders of tomorrow. Known for his strong communication and organizational skills, Tim also served as a professor of music at Arizona State before leading the ITA into the future. Tim Russell, welcome to Down 40 Love. Good to be here. <laughs> it's great to see you. Let's start off with the music thing. How did this whole um, career as a professor of music start for you? So uh, in high school, I loved sports, uh, but I also loved music. Uh, I was the valedictorian of my uh, high school class, graduated in 1973, which basically means uh, just had our 50th high school uh, uh, anniversary. Uh, and at that time, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to go into. So I actually went to Northwestern as an undergraduate uh, degree because I, I love music, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to pursue music as a career. I, I uh, thought, well, maybe I'd go into to law or something, had a great time at Northwestern, found that I actually loved being a, a musician, actually became an orchestra conductor. Uh, in high school, I uh, played basketball, ran track. I was not uh, a high school tennis player. I was not a college tennis player, but I played uh, uh, tennis from the fourth grade on. Uh, when I uh, uh, moved in 1993 to, uh, to Arizona, to become the director of orchestras at Arizona State. That's when my uh, tennis volunteer career happened. But uh, the reality is we've uh, kind of made a transition from getting a hundred orchestral musicians to play from the same uh, uh, orchestral score to trying to get 3000 coaches to sing from the same playbook. So, <laughs> Now, where did you grow up originally then? I was born in Wilmington, Delaware, but spent most of my life in Columbus, Ohio. Okay. Uh, my father was a Presbyterian campus uh, pastor. We moved from Wilmington to actually New Haven, Connecticut, where he was the Presbyterian campus pastor at Yale University. And then in 1964, was called to head the campus ministry at Ohio State. So in fourth grade, we moved to Columbus, graduated uh, from high school in the Columbus area, did my undergrad at Northwestern, and then went on... Uh, using a Danforth Foundation Fellowship to do my uh, PhD uh, at The Ohio State University. So I returned back to Columbus and finishing my PhD, I started teaching at Ohio State. What were you teaching specifically? Was it music? I was actually a music education professor. So uh, I was actually teaching future music teachers. And that could have been an elementary school string teacher, a junior high orchestra conductor, a high school conductor. And then uh, we moved from Ohio State to the University of Rochester, which is a D3 school. And uh, I was not only the uh, conductor at the University of Rochester, but had an appointment at the Eastman School of Music, which is one of America's most uh, fa famous kind of conservatories of music. So I've always been interested in kind of peak performance, whether it's how do people get to be the best they can be in music or now how can they be the best they can be in tennis? What are some of the top peak performance lessons that you've learned from a career in music? So I think uh, one is is uh, having a plan. Two is being, uh, you know, uh, driven. Uh, obviously, you can combine 
the actual techniques with the mental skills. I think uh, a lot of what uh, uh, peak performance is about is about confidence. You know, when all things are, are equal, I think the most confident player, whether it's the violinist or the player on the tennis court, often have an advantage. And a lot of that is just literally being steeped in your technique, but also kind of knowing what you want to do and uh, be willing to go after it. I think you need to to love the love the journey, love the adventure, uh, love love the challenge. As a leader, I mean, what skills would you recommend for for a top performer, whether they're in sports or in business, to build the confidence they need to get their level higher? So, uh, you know, my, one of the things that's interesting, even though we talked briefly about my career as, a, as an orchestra conductor, my actual PhD dissertation was in leadership. And basically, orchestra conductors are leaders. You know, there's a lot of people who uh, use the orchestra as an analogy and a metaphor for whether it's a Fortune 100 company or even a, a, an organization like the ITA. So in terms of kind of overarching leadership ideas, I think one is the idea of, of vision. Uh, what does the future look like? Uh, I think from vision, you know, you can go to mission and purpose, but from there, it's really about having a strategy, tactics, plan, uh, outworking everyone, and then really having kind of a, a 360 approach because you can have the vision, you can have the strategy, the tactics, you can actually implement, but then there's this evaluative uh, component. So you're always going, hey, how are we doing and measuring against our our goals, but you're also holding yourself and others, you know, accountable. Uh, I think other lessons uh, that can apply to running an organization or being a tennis player is, is surrounding yourself by great people. I think we all know that, you know, it takes a village and it's all about having a great, you know, team around you, everybody who shares that vision, you know, people who are willing to be, you know, honest with each other, but also people who are willing to, uh, push each other. One of the guys who speaks about leadership that's a former national championship uh, coach is a guy named Jeff Moore. He had won uh, two national championships as the coach of the Texas women's team. And he likes to talk about striving together. He says there's three kinds of teams. There's people who collaborate, which basically means they like to play nice. People who, who cooperate who think they're working together. But then he says there's people who compete. So even on the team, you want to show up every day and be actually pushing each other to get better. So for example, as a leader, I want people to tell me what I need to know and not just what they think I want to hear. And I'm a much better leader when I hire, you know, really great people. So at the ITA, for example, we've got an astonishing COO and Dave Mullins, a former college tennis coach. Our uh, managing director of championships, Corey Brooks, is is fantastic. We've got a terrific young social media team. So while the leader can have the vision and ultimately manage people, it's really about the entire team. And every day, all of us are pushing each other to reach those goals. Can you share with us um, more specifically how the ITA opportunity you know, came about for you and how you're implementing your philosophy today, you know, for example, maybe sharing some of the challenges 
that you're currently facing and how you guys are overcoming those challenges? Well, for sure. Thank you for that uh, question. So I think I gave you a little bit of my early background moving to, uh, to Phoenix, Arizona uh, in 1993. Uh, I had always played tennis since the, uh, the fourth grade when my dearly departed mother taught me, but our son uh, and daughter had started playing in Naples, Florida, and they moved and I quickly became a, a tennis volunteer. So uh, very quickly, because I don't want this to be about me, but you asked about how this happened. I went from being a district USTA volunteer to a section volunteer. Uh, in, in, in 2004, I became the uh, president of the USTA Southwest section, went on to be the, the delegate, but then I began uh, to get involved at the national USTA level. So I joined the national junior competition committee. I ultimately chaired the uh, USDA's collegiate varsity committee, uh, the national uh, junior competition committee. And then in 2002, I actually met David Benjamin, who was my predecessor, the former executive director and chairman of the board of the ITA. I was always interested in, in, in higher education and college tennis is ultimately about higher education. And David is really the the architect of what college tennis is today. And all of a sudden around 2014, David was thinking of retiring. And I was in the middle of chairing the ITA's format uh, task force uh, where we redid the format for D1 tennis that led to the idea of three doubles, six singles, no ad scoring, et cetera. And all of a sudden, uh, I was on a sabbatical from teaching at Arizona State. My wife and I were actually at the Australian Open in January of 2015. And I actually got an email from the uh, search firm. Uh, so I was actually headhunted, but I don't want to make it sound quite <laughs> that sterile because I think in the back of his mind, David Benjamin always thought I could be somebody to do this job, but you know, it wasn't something I was thinking about at the moment, right? I was a practicing orchestra conductor. I was teaching at a major school. Yes, I was a, a tennis volunteer, but in the end, when you think about it, you know, back to your intersection with leadership, the ITA has 1,250 colleges and universities, 2,000 programs, 3,000 coaches, 20,000 student athletes, 1300 officials, all of a sudden I realized I'm really able to still follow my passion here, which is higher education. I'm serving coaches and student athletes, but I also believe in life you can actually sort of reinvent yourself. So while it sounds like a little bit of a, a far-fetched to have gone from being an orchestra conductor to leading the ITA, there's actually a lot of similarities. Well, it sounds like the through line for you is leadership and it is helping others maximize their potential. Tim, if we can pivot a bit, what does down 40 love mean to you? You know, I, I think first of all, uh, a terrific question. Uh, first thing I'd say is it's kind of a matter of perspective. Uh, <laughs> is it my opponent who's down 40 love or am I down 40 love? But, but that said, I think it's a peak performance opportunity. Uh, I think it's a time to breathe and focus and that was the best peak performance uh, advice I ever got. It was actually from Gary Mack, who wrote a great book called The Mind Gem. But I think uh, 
Down 40 Love is a, a peak performance opportunity. It's a time to breathe and focus. It's a time to play smart. And it's a, it's a moment to enjoy the challenge. What have you learned about leadership and adversity and the importance of overcoming obstacles? Great question. Again, uh, first of all, I used to teach a leadership seminar for graduate students at ASU. And uh, that's a terrific question. And my starting point would be, it's really easier, not easy, but easier to be a leader when everything's going great. I think the signs of great leadership are how you function under adversity. Uh, and, and I think there's a, a number of lessons. One is to stay calm. Two is to stay true to your vision and mission that we talked about. Uh, but but it's also a matter of having a, a plan. It's also a matter of actually working even harder. I mean, one of the things that I think I've done in my life is to outwork everybody else. And I'll give you some real life examples. So it's just not kind of platitudes or, or, or concepts. You know, having the pandemic appear really was a, a moment of challenge. And so, uh, you know, it wasn't what anybody was expecting. The ITA has developed a great rhythm with an uh, incredible set of fall tournaments. And while everyone else was shut down in the sports world, the ITA, and this has not been a story told uh, far enough afield, we were the first national organization to actually bring back in-person competition. In working with uh, so, some medical experts, including Dr. Brian Hainline, who's the chief medical officer of the NCAA, and Mark Kovacs, who a lot of people know is a great sports scientist, we realized that uh, uh, tennis was going to do well during the pandemic. And the ITA actually reinstituted first our summer circuit. Uh, and then when we couldn't have the usual set of fall college tournaments because all the colleges and universities had shut down sports we actually offered a series of 160 tournaments in the fall and uh, so you know we actually came out on the other side even even stronger so i think you know staying calm staying true to your values staying true to your mission staying true to your your work ethic uh, but also again empowering your your team. All those things happen because we have a great uh, board of directors at the ITA. I have a great staff and we all work together uh, to continue to move uh, the sport forward. What are some of your personal values that have driven your leadership journey? Yeah, so I, I think I referenced just hard work. Uh, I think integrity uh, I'd like to think people will look at me and even if they don't agree with everything I say, that they know that, you know, I mean what I uh, say. Uh, we use at the ITA uh, a Japanese concept called Kaizen, which basically means constant daily improvement. Uh, so you can have, you know, uh, Toyota or, 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 or Honda or Hyundai believe they're the best car in the world, but they're always trying to get better. I think we believe uh, in creativity. I think we believe in uh, in, in equity. Uh, I, I think we believe in, in inclusion. Uh, and, and ultimately, I think we uh, be believe in the power of sports, uh, you know, so I think we, we value the enterprise in which we live. Tim, what would you like your legacy to be? 
Well, I think it's related to those things. You obviously have done many interviews before. This is a great trajectory. I think I would probably like people to say that uh, Tim Russell loved higher education and the power of sports and the enduring beauty of tennis and that I worked hard uh, each and every day to serve all of these and to, to advance each and all of them in the service of people, you know, because I also loved working with, you know, people. You need people to play tennis, people to play in an orchestra, people to watch tennis, people to listen to an orchestra. But uh, I think it's this idea of, of servant leadership. I think uh, the legacy of being a servant leader. What advice would you uh, give young and up and coming leaders, leaders of the next generation who are really committed to growing in their lives, growing in their careers, and maybe even growing their businesses? Fantastic. First of all, I would say that there's no one pathway. Uh, we live in a world with incredible opportunities. Uh, and I think to be creative about, you know, who you are, uh, I think uh, in large part, it's creating a, a terrific network of people uh, and being willing to to call on people, but a lot of the things uh, would kind of be almost redundant to what I said before. I mean, having a vision, uh, and just so we're clear, for me, a vision is what does the future look like? So for example, the ITA actually has a vision, vision statement that says, our vision is for college tennis to be one of the most viable, sustainable sports. So for example, Right now, it's a challenging time in college in, in college athletics, right? With everything from, from media rights and conference realignment, NIL, transfer, whatever. But it's having this vision, but then it's having a mission. And I say that the, you know, the mission is, is what we do. And, and, and what we do at the ITA is to serve college tennis, advance our sport and as you said in the introduction to return the leaders of tomorrow so we come to work every day to serve our sport advance the sport and return the leaders of tomorrow but our transformational purpose why we do it is to actually transform lives especially those of student athletes and coaches so my advice to you know young leaders is to be your authentic self but to cast a wide Net, you know, I would have never thought early in my life that at 68, I'd actually be leading the Intercollegiate Tennis Association, right? And I think there are some really interesting studies out there that show that this generation, and I might get these numbers wrong, but you'll get the idea, and so will the listeners, that they're likely to have up to 15 jobs, but maybe in actually four different professions, and I thought of myself always as being very um, set in my career. And then all of a sudden I realized I taught at the <laughs> High School of the Performing Arts in Columbus. I taught at Ohio State, taught at the University of Rochester. I was an orchestra conductor in Naples, Florida. I came to Arizona. That's five. I was the ballet conductor of Ballet Arizona. And, you know, I mean, so already, you know, a 68-year-old guy is going, wow. You know, this really is a, a life of opportunity. So I would say work hard, cast a wide net and, uh, you know, just keep working hard. Well, Tim, I mean, at 68, you're just getting started. And and I, <laughs> and I want to conclude with with one last question before you can maybe share with folks 
how they can best find you online. What gets you most excited uh, every morning when you wake up? Um, terrific question. Uh, one, at least in my life, is that every day is a little different, right? And so there's always opportunities. There's always uh, challenges, but I actually like uh, the, the variety. Uh, in my life, I was actually also a researcher, and I don't want to go too far afield, but I actually did research with the, you know, terrific Harvard professor, Ellen Langer, who kind of was the person who created all the mindfulness research. She just put out her, her latest book, which is about uh, health and mindfulness, but she and I did research on mindfulness and music, but the basic premise of being mindful is to always notice new things. You know, so I get up every morning, you know, looking forward to whatever the challenges are. You know, I, I meet regularly with my staff. I talk to coaches, you know, even as a tennis player, you know, in peak performance, everybody's trying to create, you know, being able to do the same thing over and over again. I find that the truly greatest players are the ones that have enough variety uh, to actually uh, deal with life's uncertainties, right? You know, what one, one of the things that peak performers usually teach, which I think could be an error, is to always try to create certainty in what you do. But I think <laughs> the people who really are the peak performers are those who are able to deal with uncertainty. So every day I wake up and I'm reminded of Pete Sampras once saying that every day he would get up out of bed, he would actually pat his two hands down on the ground and go, all right, let's get after it today. And he, I think the story he told was that the day he couldn't whack his two hands against the floor was when he knew it was time to move on to, you know, to something else. So for me, I'm just excited about what each day brings. I love it. Where can people find you online, Tim? So uh, if you come to the ITA website, uh, we, we are at itatennis.com or wearecollegetennis.com. Uh, and I would encourage people to not only follow the ITA on our website, but to follow us on social media. That could be on uh, X, formerly Twitter. It could be Instagram. It could be LinkedIn. It could be YouTube. I actually have a small Twitter following, small Instagram uh, following, but my uh, email address is on the, the website. And I look forward to uh, to hearing from uh new friends and, and, and old old friends, but also people who are wanting to support the uh, the journey of the ITA and move college tennis forward. Amazing leadership insights from a great, great guy. Tim, truly appreciate being with you. Thanks a bunch. Good luck to you and all your listeners. <laughs>